What's going on, everybody? Welcome back again to the Passing Downs podcast. I'm your host, Rahul, and I'm here with PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? All right, and we're back for our first episode in a while. We took a little break. Obviously, it's the NFL offseason. Not a whole lot to talk about at the moment, but it has been, I'd say, about a month since we last talked, so we're deciding to just do a quick roundabout of all the teams and all the moves and decisions they've made as far as who's going to potentially get quarterback playing time next year uh, and just talking about each team's QB room in general at the moment because we did an episode like this towards the end of the season and with free agency happening and trades happening, a lot has changed. So it's a little bit of an update episode. And PD, yeah. I'll let you get started with your first team or if you have anything else to say. Yeah, nah. Um, just just wrapping that up, we um, spent some time away to take a look at draft prospect from really, um, and so we'll start pumping um, those episodes out next week, um, one per week up to the draft, and then we'll move into the rest of our more juicy offseason content where we look at every single QB room and uh, talk about it in depth. Um, but let's get started with the Arizona Cardinals, who didn't make many significant moves, but they did. Yeah, David Blau, um, they let go of Trace McSorley, and we do know that Colt McCoy is going to start the uh, start the year next year in all likelihood with Kyler Murray coming off a torn ACL there. Um, so talking about David Blau a little bit, um, he has some experience, started some games for the Lions. We remember that incredible Thanksgiving game uh, that he that he started for the Lions. Um, but yeah, just like a decent guy. I would probably say he's an overqualified third stringer type rather than uh, a strong backup, but not, not a poor uh, backup here. And then Colt McCoy, one of the better backups in the league, um, probably good enough for a spot start early in the year. Um, yeah. Good to keep him around. And of course, letting I, I'm, I'm also in favor of letting go of Trace McSorley. Um, I don't think that running NFL offense through him is pretty, very valuable. Just not a strong passer at all. Um, struggles to really read the field, deliver the ball accurately, just things that you need to do to be a strong quarterback at the NFL level. Um, just mainly an athlete to me. So, um, yeah, hopefully he, he can find himself a, a job as a third stringer somewhere. Well, I don't think people are going to love that Trace McSorley disrespect. Uh, I don't <laughs> no. condone any of that. But, yeah, in all seriousness, that move makes sense for them, I'd agree. Blau does have some NFL experience and Trace in the times that he has because of how much the Cardinals QB room has been injured even Trace has had a lot of playing time and uh yeah you that that decision made sense to me uh I would like this team to probably go out and get maybe a little bit of a better quarterback I'd say at this point in time Colt McCoy's may not be uh, even a top half backup quarterback in the league right now and judging not only Kyler's history but the fact that he's not gonna come into the season starting uh to play most likely given that he tore his ACL pretty late in the year uh and this t- team does lack a lot of talent defensively and even offensively outside of skill positions wise so I they won't really be able to win with Colt McCoy which I think that's the direction this team wants to head in even that i'm not really sure with so they might want to straighten that up a little bit but other than that they're really just waiting on kyler 
Yeah, I, I'm not even really sure how much they want to win. I think they're very fine just taking a year rebuilding. The roster needs a lot of work, and they could use a, use a reset. Um, with the potential yeah, of DeAndre Hopkins true. trade coming up, uh, should be able to get some picks back there and kind of just recollect um, this offseason um, and let some of those bad contracts expire. Um, that's kind of the direction right. I see the Cardinals going in. Um, so let's move on to the Falcons here, who added Taylor Heineke and let go of Marcus Mariota. And I got to say, I am not really a fan of what the Falcons did here. Um, we've already, well, um, kind of addressing stuff that we're going to talk about a little bit later, but they've already said they're out on signing Lamar Jackson. And so I, I, I'm not really a fan of going into the season with Desmond Ritter um, as the starting option. Um, and Taylor Heineke as his competition is just really poor to me. I, I really am not a fan of Taylor Heineke. Um, I, I mean, they, they don't seem to have an answer uh, at quarterback right now. And with Lamar Jackson being available in free agency, or maybe even an Aaron Rodgers trade, you know, like they, they could have given themselves an answer, but I don't think they're really giving themselves the best chance to win right now. Yeah, I agree with some of what you said and disagree with some of what you said. Uh, as far as Lamar, not only the Falcons, but a lot of teams in the league, which we're obviously going to go up to, have said that they're out on potentially trading him or trying to throw him a bag to sign him. And that really confuses me. You very rarely have a quarterback in the open market at this age who's already won an MVP, shown they can be an elite guy. And I don't know why teams like the Falcons, who have no clear answer at quarterback, they really are just hoping to maybe tank for another year, go after a guy like Lamar. So, yeah, I would agree. Maybe not the Aaron Rodgers situation because, I mean, we'll talk about that later, but that seems like a little bit of a done deal. But I also agree that they definitely should go after Lamar, as most people do. But there's probably something going on behind the scenes that we don't know that's made all these teams want to not go after him. Uh, maybe it's a tactic to drive his price down something. I don't know. Uh, but other than that, I am, the part where I disagree with you on is I do like that Heineke move because Heineke has played a lot at starter and he's shown that, yeah, he, he doesn't necessarily have the talent or abilities to be a NFL starting level QB, but I feel like he's got that trait that you need in a backup who can just come in and will you to wins because I don't know what he has, but he has that little bit of a factor that makes him, he, he makes a lot of big plays and when your quarterback goes down and you need someone to just step in and just be cold and make plays, uh, I think that's something Heineke can do. I think that's a role that he might be useful in because I don't think he's a long-term player at quarterback anywhere, really. So I do like this role. I think Marcus Mariota was a bit of a dead end. They were trying to use him more of even like a gimmicky quarterback at this point in his career. So I think the Heineke signing is fine. But yeah, I'm also very confused why they would want to go into the season without even attempting to get Lamar. Uh, but I guess they'll see what Ritter can do. And if not, which most likely they'll be moving on with from him the following season. Yeah, I get that kind of idea. Um, Heineke's game is kind of predicated on throwing jump balls and yeah, I mean, that, I mean that, that kind of, that can work, but you need like 
really strong receiver talent. Um, and he had it. Like, but with, to be with fair, where else to do that than a team with Drake London and Kyle Pitts? Plus, I guess so. I guess it is a good fit, but from like the standpoint of like who 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 are actually like the best backups, I'm not a fan of Taylor Heineke in that sense. Yeah, I can understand that. I just think, given the fit, given like the role he would potentially be in, uh, as far as I know, Ritter should be their starter no matter what. I don't think people are gonna want Heineke in over him. Uh, so no drama there. Let's your young quarterback do his thing. And if he is to get injured, you know, you got someone who can throw in there and maybe help you compete in a couple games here and there. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the Ravens. So the Ravens have, uh, Lamar Jackson hitting what is basically restricted free agency. Um, they placed the, um, I forgot the name, but the, the franchise tag on him. Um, to where any team can sign him and the Ravens have the ability to match. Uh, or if the team wants to um, let go of him, the price is too much, they can get two first-round picks for him. So um, I can understand uh, for a lot of teams why this is probably an issue because um, when you when you sign Lamar Jackson, you essentially have to hold that like cap space and give the Ravens some time to decide whether they want to match that. And while you do that, a lot of the free agents um, can go off the market. So the timing is pretty poor uh, for a move like that. And then also the cost of the massive contract and two first round picks, which I think is is reasonable to say is probably worth it. But you do have to think about it because, again, this is a player who, despite being a Pro Bowl type talent when he's on the field, he has missed significant time in the past couple of years um, playing about 75% of the games rather than what we want, which is just 100% of games. So um, there's a lot of factors going in here with the contract, the picks, the injury history. Um, but I would have thought that more teams would have shown interest, especially a team like the Falcons, who would be like a fantastic fit uh, for Lamar Jackson. And I guess we, we just have to let the situation develop because um, the way that that contract would be set up it's it's really difficult to see a team immediately jumping on it um but yeah I would have expected more immediate interest than was shown yeah and you will you talked about the tag he was on it's called the non-exclusive uh franchise tag and I forgot the name yeah uh yeah I I understand from both perspectives why they've done it not so much the Raven side because at this point in time, from my understanding of the Ravens, they want to keep Lamar long-term. And I don't understand why you would make a move like this, which essentially screws him over, because not only are you not paying him long-term, you're basically ruling out any other team from wanting to pay him long-term. Because unless the team is absolutely sure that they want to go after Lamar, and adding Lamar puts them in contention for a Super Bowl, which... To be fair, there are some teams like that, but you do have to be in a position like that to make a move for him right now. Because like PD mentioned, not only do you have to uh, exceed the amount of money that the Ravens want to pay uh, want to pay him and uh, have them not match it, but also you need to temporarily hold that amount of money in your cap. And like PD said, the two first-round picks you got to give up. It's a huge it's a huge deal. It's a huge risk for a guy like Lamar. So I can understand why teams are out. But 
from the Ravens' perspective, which right now we're talking about them, I, I really don't understand what they're trying to do. Uh, I think Lamar's been on Twitter quite a bit over this offseason talking about like all the negotiations and stuff. From my understanding, he's clearly unhappy right now. And from your franchise quarterback, someone who has, ever since he's been there, really changed the way this team has operated, I, I don't know why you would want to do this sort of thing to him uh and right now if he's gone which or sits out which both situations very well could happen the Ravens have no backup plan and they've created a roster that completely fits a guy like Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson's a very unique quarterback talent to where you can't really plug and play anybody in there really unless they have a very specific skill set which Lamar Jackson is a player we haven't really seen in the league often. So I don't really know what the Ravens' plan is here. Uh, I'm completely confused on what they're doing because even if this does go in their favor, let's say Lamar does decide to play on this deal that they've offered him for the year that he doesn't really want to be on, I think he's out the next year because there's no way he would want to sign long-term after they did what they – did what they did to him. So, yeah, not really sure what the Ravens are thinking here. Very, very weird situation. Um, It seems very likely that he's agitating for a fully guaranteed deal. Um, And I I understand the people who are thinking that it's something resembling collusion with the owners not wanting to pay a fully guaranteed deal. And it, and it makes sense where, like, at this point in the market, like, I'm, I'm not going to advocate for the players to not have fully guaranteed deals. I think um, better labor practices are just always better. But the the idea of a fully guaranteed deal in the NFL is just an inherent disadvantage because it allows you so much less flexibility where all the other teams who don't have uh, the fully guaranteed deals have that much more flexibility to restructure and trade and stuff like that. So um, definitely something to think about um, with Lamar's contract situation. And we'll just kind of see how the situation unfolds. Yeah, and real quick before we move on, like you said, with the fully guaranteed deal, uh, I mean, we just saw it with Deshaun Watson, and not to say that, like, it's a completely one-to-one situation here because Lamar obviously has been playing, and this isn't a situation where he's holding out. There's off-the-field issues, but the Browns did offer him that, I believe, either fully guaranteed or almost fully guaranteed deal. And right now they're in a pickle because he has not performed nearly to what they expected uh, as of yet and not nearly to the price tag that's on him as of yet. And if a team is to do that with Lamar, uh, that would also screw a team like the Ravens over. Because when you pay a quarterback that much, uh, it lowers the amount of things you could do with your roster around him. You definitely can't put as much talent around around that player and you need that guy to be a hundred percent. And as PD mentioned earlier, Lamar has been uh, injured quite often. And when he is on the field, he's been elite, but you do need someone with a little bit more certainty and a fully guaranteed contract does imply certainty, which I guess the Ravens or any other team in the NFL right now feel that they don't have. So hopefully he gets paid, but very weird situation. All right, let's move on to the next team. Quick one, this one. Um, 
The Bills had Case Keenum as backup quarterback last year. They've replaced him with Kyle Allen. Not a big fan of this one. I do not like the way Kyle Allen played for the Texans. It was it was pretty horrific to watch, honestly. Like he's probably one of the five worst passing quarterbacks I saw last year. Um, so not really a fan of Kyle Allen's. Um, hopefully he can take a step up and become a backup. But yeah, I mean, I would have liked to get them a better backup for for Josh Allen. Yeah, I 100% agree. I probably would have kept Case Keenum around, to be honest. I thought he was a solid backup. Plus, he's been there enough to where he knows that system, and uh, you don't you miss less of a beat just in case Josh Allen is to go down. Uh, I don't know what the plan is with Kyle Allen. I really don't think he's that far off from the other guy in that QB room. I believe uh, Matt Barkley is still there. Yep. So... I think they have two third-string level uh, quarterbacks behind Josh Allen. So I guess the situation is hope Josh Allen doesn't get hurt. Uh, I guess if he got hurt, they'd be screwed either ways, the way that offense is set up. But yeah, not much happened there. Yeah, you always want to give yourself the best chance to win. So um, yeah, they, they, they are certainly screwed if they if Josh Allen goes down, but... You want to be less screwed than, than more screwed. Um, yeah, less screwed than not, for sure. Yeah. So let's move on to the Panthers. A lot of moving parts in this one. Um, so the Panthers add Andy Dalton uh, in free agency. Um, they've added Jacob Eason as a third stringer, I think. And um, they oh, moved up to number one, presumably, for a quarterback. Um, so let's start with uh, Andy Dalton here. Andy Dalton, I thought, played pretty well um, last year. Looked like he deserved, I think a job as a bridge quarterback type thing, which he might be depending on who the Panthers take and how much confidence they have with him as a starter. But certainly they will have a quarterback competition in camp, or at least they'll advertise it as that. Um, and we'll see if Andy Dalton maybe ends up starting a few games here. Um, and then Jacob Eason, just like decent third stringer, I think, Devent- developmental guy. Hope You hope he can become like a nice backup one day. Um, and yeah, we don't really know what's going on with Matt Corral. So I guess... I like the idea of having an extra backup plan for Matt Corral with Jacob Eason there. Oh, yeah. Panthers obviously made a huge, huge, huge move to get that number one pick. Gave up a lot of assets. And, I mean, it was kind of expected that some team was going to pull that trigger and take that spot from the Bears once they did end up getting it. And the Panthers ended up being the team to do it. Uh, we'll talk more about prospects in future episodes, obviously, but uh, I think the current consensus right now, I think the overall consensus, number one quarterback has always been Bryce Young, but a lot of reports recently have come out saying that the Panthers want C.J. Stroud a little bit more. Uh, uh, so we'll give our thoughts on those quarterbacks later, but that's a very interesting thing going into the draft, which one they do end up taking. Uh all of them, both of them are going to be obvious upgrades over who they currently have. Uh, I do think that Andy Dalton's saw, uh, pickup was very solid. Uh, I wouldn't even mind if Andy Dalton was a starter on certain teams. Uh, so the fact that he'll be a backup, maybe even like Petey said, a bridge guy between uh, for the first few games of this season. I do believe the Panthers said that they're willing to start whoever they pick right away, which in my opinion, makes total sense. You want to give complete confidence to your number one overall pick, uh, get him in there and developing as soon as possible. And I think they've done a solid job in free agency of putting 
A couple of not the best weapons out there, but a little bit around him so that uh, whoever it is between Young and Stroud isn't completely just drowning. Uh, And that Andy Dalton veteran signing to help this young quarterback just transition to the NFL. Uh, I think that's a good one. Eason, not really many thoughts. Uh, He might end up getting cut from the team depending on where Corral is at. Uh, So, yeah, that's about it. All right, let's move on to the Bears. A lot of moving pieces in this one, but nothing major. Um, They add P.J. Walker and let go of everyone else except for Justin Fields. So they let go of Trevor Simeon, Nathan Peterman, and Tim Boyle, all of whom got snaps for them last year at some point. Uh, P.J. Walker, like, Really strong third stringer, um, okay backup in my opinion. Um, so maybe, or at least what I would do is draft a quarterback um, at some point in the draft. Someone who can kind of push Justin Fields if he has like a lower end outcome this year and doesn't play very well. Um, and you can maybe even turn to if he's playing really poorly. So um, just add someone who you think can be a backup, but also have some upside to um, maybe start a few games in case you need it if Justin Fields is just playing really poorly. That's kind of where I would go with the Bears. Yeah, honestly, that sums it up well because that's really what I was going to say. Usually when a team cleans house, so to speak, and gets rid of all their veteran quarterbacks like this, it means they're probably going to draft somebody and or just bring in a young guy of some sort. And with uh, free agency going this late, they haven't picked up any of the younger backup quarterback types. Uh, I think they probably spend a second, probably not a second, I'd say a third to fifth round pick on a quarterback backup type who maybe has some upside uh, if something happens to Fields' worst case. And if that makes P.J. Walker the third string, I think that's a solid QB room. Uh, But like P.D. said, a lot happened, but we do know that Justin Fields is going to be the starter, so not a whole lot of drama there. Uh, We didn't miss out on some potential drama because – uh, there was a world where the Bears trade Justin Fields and take a Bryce Young or maybe even C.J. Stroud and surprise the world, but they did not end up doing that. They ended up cashing out and trading back with well the Panthers, who we last just talked about. So, uh, yeah, ended up being a more normal QB room for them. Yep. All right. Let's talk about the Bengals. Um Unfortunate one here because they let go of Brandon Allen and now their backup is Jake Browning. So um, look for the Bengals to be in the QB market for sure. Um, We're going to talk about a guy upcoming who who I think is a really good fit there. Um, But yeah, they they definitely do need to address the backup at some point uh, just in case Joe Burrow goes down for whatever reason. Yeah, pretty much similar thoughts there as well. I, under, I I don't really think that uh, Jake Browning at any point is going to become a backup level player. Uh, and I'm a little surprised they didn't pick someone up yet to be that backup. But uh, like I said earlier, when you get rid of your veteran and it comes around to that point in the draft, this does probably mean they're going to draft somebody. Uh, I think, I don't know who PD has in mind, but I do think somewhere late in the draft, uh, with a six, seven round flyer type of pick, they end up picking somebody who can be their backup. Uh, Burrow has been, I guess, aside from that one major, major injury, has been relatively healthy week to week. Uh, so hopefully there's some optimism, but obviously his leg injury was quite significant. 
Uh, you never know what can happen. And as PD said, you do want uh, somebody there in the backup role to give you the best chance to win as possible uh, in case all goes wrong. But as far as who's leading that QB room, we know. And we'll see how the rest unfolds soon, probably. All right, let's look at the Cleveland Browns here. A lot of moving pieces here again. So they let go of Jacoby Brissett, who I would say is the best, maybe second best behind Andy Dalton, backup quarterback in the league. Just an excellent season from him as a backup quarterback last year. Um, running that play action and run game heavy system to to a, like a, a pretty strong offense, I think it was. Um, just using that really strong arm, arm of his, his toughness um, to stand tall in the pocket and deliver deep throws down the field. Um, I was very impressed with Jacoby Brissett and thought, honestly, he deserves like a chance as a starter. Um, he could, at the very least, be a bridge quarterback, I think. Um, so the, the Browns let go of him. They signed Josh Dobbs, who had a little bit of time as a third stringer um, last year for the Titans and uh, didn't go the greatest, but he didn't look atrocious for a third stringer. I think he would be a, a very strong third stringer. But um, now that the Browns let go of Jacoby Brissett, he's going to be the backup, which I'm not as much of a fan of. Um, and then they got Kellen Mond, who's kind of a developmental guy. Um, I thought he was an interesting uh, guy in the draft. Thought he was like a day two type quarterback. Um, so maybe um, he, in a, in a new start, kind of um, develops a little bit better. Um, I do think, honestly, there's a world where Deshaun Watson plays so poorly, um, like he did last year, and they kind of turn to a young guy like Kellen Mond or Joshua Dobbs. Um, but I think that's very unlikely given the investment that they have in Watson and he would have to play uh, pretty horrible. But I do think it's like the lowest end outcome um, for, for Watson this year. Um, so, yeah, that, th- those are my thoughts on the Browns quarterback room. What about you? Uh, yeah, with Jacoby Brissett, to be quite honest, I thought in the time that he played last year, he was honestly better than the time we saw out of Deshaun Watson. So I do hope that, now that he's gone, he does have a chance to compete for a starting role because I do think he's got the talent to be like a back-end starter and maybe even develop into a little bit more the more he gets to play. And when we get to the team that he did end up on, I, I honestly do think he's got a shot at maybe getting at starting role going, going forward depending on uh, what direction that team wants to take. But as far as this team... Uh, I think letting go of Jacoby Brissett wasn't a good move, but I think it had to be done. Brissett, I think himself knew that he was only going to be a backup in the in Cleveland given how much uh, money and assets they gave Deshaun Watson, as I talked about earlier. So Brissett really didn't really have a future in Cleveland, and I'm glad he left, but definitely a big, big loss for the Browns, and they probably would have wanted to keep him around given – how much of a question mark Deshaun Watson is at the moment. Uh, I think Josh Dobbs did show flashes last year in those few starts with the Titans. but uh, I th- And I do think he can be a solid backup. But if it does get to that point where Deshaun Watson's playing so poorly that one of Dobbs or Mond needs to you know, get a chance out there and see what they can do, uh, I really don't think much is coming from that. Both Dobbs and Mon strike me as people who are career backups. I don't necessarily see either of them becoming and uh, developing into a long-term quarterback. So all the marbles are kind of on the Watson train for them. Be- going with uh, the off-season moves they've made, I don't think they're going to change much with this QB room. So 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things play out for the Browns because they are putting all their eggs in this Watson basket right now, judging by these moves at least. Yeah, and the contract, of course. Um, they are uh-huh. they are pretty much stuck to him. Um, so let's move on to the Cowboys, who didn't make any moves, but I do want to talk about one possibility, and that's the the possibility that they draft um, some quarterback on day two, maybe day three. Um, that's kind of like a high upside project type quarterback to they maybe think about um, Dak's injury history, um, the fact that that injury history is affecting how valuable he is relative to his contract. Um, so what, what do you think of making maybe making that type of move for the Cowboys? Well, one thing I feel that may prevent them from doing something is one, the Cowboys are the type of type of organization to wait till the last minute to make a decision on something. They really ride or die with their players. I think that's kind of just the Jerry Jones mindset. So I don't really see them making a move like that. Me personally, I probably would. But I think they saw what like a guy like Cooper Rush did last year with the team. The team was obviously incredibly talented. And he was able to keep them afloat. So I think they have their answer at backup. And... Uh, I believe they have Will Greer on the roster as a third string. Yep. I think he's fine. And I think the Cowboys are looking at that room right now and thinking, oh, that's a good enough backup room for Dak, and they want to go all in on Dak. I mean, Dak's been their guy. They love him down in Dallas. So I do believe they'll keep going with him. But like you said, given his injury history, given how he kind of almost tanked their season last year, uh, I won't say single-handedly, but he was a huge reason why uh, the Cowboys were not nearly as successful as they could have been with the amount of talent they had on the team last year. Uh, so I do think they should start looking around, but I, I honestly don't think they will. I think they're just going to try to uh, reload, get as much talent around deck as possible, and just uh, run with what they have now. Yeah, this is going to kind of bleed into the offseason episode with the Cowboys, what I'm about to say. But I think I, I like Dak's ability to synergize with any level and any type of offense and um, any kind of talent, really. It's just like he's very like he, his play. Adaptable. His Yeah, his, he's pretty adaptable, but his play is just very like extremely linear um, with his supporting cast. His supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets worse he gets worse if he if his supporting cast uh, gets better he looks like a top five type quarterback versus like an average quarterback like he did for a lot of stretches last year so and he also has the injury problem so it's a tricky situation where I think if you put an elite team around Dak Prescott you can win a Super Bowl but the -hmm. problem is that once you sign him to that long-term deal it becomes very difficult Um, so yeah that's just kind of how I look at it I think this Cowboys team was like really, really dangerous when you had that level of play from Dak when he was still on that rookie deal. And mm-hmm. honestly, I think that was their window when they had that team with Dak coming out uh, from that fourth round or whatever from Mississippi State and just taking over. And then you had uh, Zeke lighting the league on fire. I think that like era of the Cowboys was very good. And then once they had to pay like Amari, Zeke, and Dak, that's when things started going downhill because all of those players were surrounded by a lot of talent and they looked like elite, elite players who deserved that big ass contracts. But 
it turned out they really weren't once they got it. And with Dak, you're seeing it now as well. Uh, and right now, I don't think they're going to be able to put a team around him that can, like you said, compete for a championship with Dak at quarterback. I just don't think they have the money and facilities for that. Uh, and that's a, a reality that the Cowboys will have to face soon. Uh, but I don't think it'll be this year and in this year's draft. Yeah, um, they, they kind of opened another window by having Michael Parsons, who's like, one, oh, he, could be the best, he could be the best defensive player in the league next year. I wouldn't be surprised by that. And he's on a rookie deal. So that opens. They've, they've um, 100% bailed themselves out with a lot of their uh, talent from the other side. Like not only Michael Parsons, but Trayvon Diggs has developed to be uh, what he's become and a very, very elite uh, turnover and playmaker. And even coverage-wise, he developed a lot last year. Uh, and even a guy like C.D. Lamb has made that offense so much more dynamic and guys like Tony Pollard. So, yeah, they do have – they do still have a lot of elite talent there that could maybe make some noise with a healthy Dak quarterback playing the whole year. But – that's something I I guess I'll just have to wait and see. All right. Got a little bit too much into the weeds there because the situation is very interesting, but we got to move on yeah. to the next team. Um, and that's the Denver Broncos. So they let go of Brett Rippon, added uh, Jarrett Stidham. And, you know, not too much to talk about here. Jarrett Stidham showed some flashes that he could be an interesting backup. Uh, not a big fan of Brett Rippon. Kind of not too not careful enough with the ball. He's just pretty reckless with his decision making. So I do think Jared Siddham could be an upgrade over Brett Rippon pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, of course we, I'm not... Oh, go ahead. We, we know what, what the deal is here in Denver. Um, the deal is Russell Wilson. Um, and the hope is that Sean Payton and his offensive wizardry can help Russell Wilson re- resurrect his career. Um, there's a lot that needs to be done with Russ's footwork and his ball control and, um, Maybe this is going to sound rude, but I, I really do think he should lose some weight. Um, it's really affecting his ability to run. Um, and, yeah, just making sure that he's a little bit healthier as well. Um, Russ showed some flashes towards the end of last year where he looked pretty solid um, with Jerry Rosberg um, instead of Nathaniel Hackett, where they just kind of turned the offense back into what they did in Seattle. whoop de doo You run more play action, Russ looks better. <laughs> so, you know, like... <laughs> the whole let Russ cook thing is, is just so funny to me. How time is a flat circle and it just always comes back to the play action and the deep shots with Russ. But um, there is a possibility there of having some upside with Russ. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Jared Stidham move um, and letting go of Brett Rippon too. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was going to say I think Brett Rippon's kind of trash. Uh, yeah. I, I saw very little of him, but in the time I did. Uh, I didn't think he was very good. So letting go of him, yeah, completely fine with that. Adding Jarrett Stidham to back back up Russell Wilson, I think is definitely a much better situation. Uh, I'd honestly have maybe even opted into picking up an even better backup given how Russell Wilson was playing last year. Uh, but as PD mentioned, it could completely be based off that system if they were to go back to something he's more comfortable with. Maybe things turn around, but we've talked all about Russ's struggles last year. We don't need to go into it anymore. Uh, 
But clearly, with the moves they've made this year, they're not out on Russ, which was expected. They made one of the biggest trades uh, we've seen in recent history to grab him, and they're not going to bail on that in one year. Uh, I don't love the direction the Broncos were going in. Uh, from what I understood, they did have a decent amount of money in free agency. And so far, they've spent it on players that I don't particularly love. Uh, maybe we'll get into that one day. Maybe we won't. But I don't think they've equipped Russell Wilson with much more than he had last year. Uh which, I guess, if they stayed healthy, that Broncos defense was, I mean, locked down. And they do have a lot of talent on that offense. So maybe all it will take is for this team to be healthy this year. And maybe they do just need to let Russ cook and do what he does a little bit oh, more. Oh, brother. Uh, but it seems like they're just kind of running it back with what they had last year. And I don't know how that's going to go for them. Yeah, I mean... Um, they added some some offensive line pieces, and that's going to be helpful for the run blocking, and that in turn can maybe make the play action game more potent as uh, defenders drop down in the box more, maybe. So you know, th- there's there's something there, but at the end of the day, yeah. with Russell Wilson, there's there's nothing you can do to really totally shift the way he plays. He's like the anti Dak Prescott, right? His his level of play. Like it doesn't shift that much um, when you add huge pieces around him. He's just a very consistently like it, it totally depends on how he's playing. It doesn't really depend on the sporting cast or the defense that he's going against um, unless they're like limiting his vision and such. Like he's just a very steady, consistent type of presence, or at least that's what he was in Seattle before the athleticism took a decline. But yeah, that, that's kind of yeah. how I envision Russ. Like you can put as many pieces as you want but he will still be Russell Wilson. That's kind of how I feel. I see. Well, you mentioned something about the offensive line. I believe that pickup improvement you made, one of them was Mike McGlinchey too. Honestly, as a Niners fan, I I must say, I wasn't too upset letting go of a guy like Mike McGlinchey, and that goes into the whole thing I was talking about earlier, which I don't know if they spend the money the way I would have because – uh, the guys they got, not a huge fan. But other than that, nothing more to say on the Broncos. Let's move on to the to the Lions. Yeah, the Lions um, didn't really do anything. Um, but they, they still have Jared Goff. They sp- still have Nate Sudfeld. Um, they have the sixth overall pick, so maybe there's a chance at a quarterback. I would take a quarterback if I were them and there was a quarterback available. I think that letting that quarterback compete with Jared Goff or develop behind Jared Goff, depending on where he's at, um, in, in his development process. Like, I think that would be really good for them. It would totally, like, completely blow up in their, their Super Bowl window. Like, this team has so many good pieces, and if you add a rookie-type contract, rookie quarterback contract on top of that, like, you have so much flexibility, and I think they could be a Super Bowl contender. But um, let, let's just kind of see what they do. I mean, they, they, they probably think to themselves, like, they have a few holes, uh, on defense, which is true, um, and that they can address those with these two picks. But uh, if I were them, I, w- I would take a rookie quarterback because, I mean, we, we've seen w- where this leads with Jared Goff. If he's if he's in, a, in a, on an elite team, he can do some good things. But um, when things start going south, he he, um, he he looks a little bit suspect. He's kind of like like a diet Dak in that sense. Like Dak, if he was like worse at a lot of things, that, that's just kind of how I envision Jared Goff. 
Yeah, mid mid deck is crazy, but um, <laughs> but this situation has become really really weird when it doesn't really need to be because when the Lions made that trade, uh, getting rid of Matthew Stafford and I guess Jared Goff coming in at that time, uh, I think the general consensus and even what the Lions had planned at that point was that Jared Goff was going to be the bridge guy. He was going to be there maybe a year or two. Uh, until they get put in a position to where they can get the quarterback they actually want. Uh, but right now, from what I know, the Lions fan base and I think even the Lions management is very split on what they want to do. Uh, because uh, Jared Goff came out last year and had probably one of the best seasons of his career. And granted, even though he played really, really well, uh, I think he's starting to get a little overrated almost. His numbers looked really good because of, like PD said, there's an incredible, incredible amount of talent on this team. And the defense was so bad that this offense was on the field at all times, uh, scoring a lot of points. All their offensive numbers are off the charts. But I think we just need to remember who Jared Goff is. And I think Lions fans are just falling in love uh, with this version of Jared Goff, who... Uh, I, I understand he's been a top half starter in the league, bordering on top 10 even. Um, I know a lot of people have given him top 10 shouts for last season. I personally wasn't one of them. I don't think he's there yet, but he definitely showed a lot more than he has in previous years. Uh, but I do think it's a product of the system he's had around him. And if you take Jared Goff, remove him, and add a, like PD said, a quarterback on a rookie deal with actual like high-level talent, this team could go a lot of places. And I think they should still stick to that original plan. Uh, but fans and the team in general is, are falling, off, uh, falling in love with this Jared Goff experiment. And um, I think they might, might hold on to him too long, and that's going to screw them over long-term. Because uh, with that pick they have, I believe they're at, I think, is it six they're at? Yeah, it's yep. six. Uh, there's definitely options that can be had there. I, Stroud's probably going to be gone, and Young's probably going uh, to be gone. But with a small trade-up or maybe even at that six pick, they could very easily get like a Anthony Richardson, who's been impressing a lot recently, or even like a Will Levis. Uh, they can even trade down or maybe get someone else if their guy is down there. Uh, but I think ideally they do want one of those top guys. Uh, earlier when the team had a little bit less wins, I know there was a lot of talk to Stroud to Detroit. Uh, I understand that that's probably unlikely now. Uh, but regardless, I do think that this whole Jared Goff situation is getting a little bit out of hand. People are, people are thinking that this can be the long-term solution, just having Jared Goff and putting a ton of talent around him. And realistically, it's not going to happen. Jared Goff is not a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. And I hope they make the quarterback move with number six, but we'll see. Yeah, Goff was interesting. Like, he broke out in 2017 as, like, a solid guy and then took a real big step up to, like, a Pro Bowl-type guy, in my opinion, in, in 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl. Um, and then since then, it's just kind of looked a little off. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say Jared Goff has, like, developed to the point where, like, you know, last year there was some talk of the Lions taking a quarterback in the first round, and I don't know why that would, like, 
disappear <laughs> because Jared Goff played decently this year. Um, exactly. So yeah. yeah, so it just that's kind of where my Teams love are. their quarterback, especially when they have a little bit of a jump. And it is a – Jared Goff, uh, to be completely honest, is a very, very likable guy. Like, I'd never root against him. So – I can see where all the love comes from, but the people have to be realistic and less, you know, just into whatever's going on at the moment. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the next team, which is the Green Bay Packers. Oh, boy. So the Packers, um, they look like they're – they really do want to trade Aaron Rodgers, and I, I understand it. The, the cap hits for Aaron Rodgers are pretty monstrous if they don't trade him by the beginning of the season. So – um, they probably want to get rid of him, get the Jordan Love experiment going. And I kind of like Jordan Love. Um, from what he's shown, the little bit of starts that he's gotten, um, he's looked pretty good recently, like against the Eagles. Um, and it looked totally different than what he did the last time he started, which was against the Chiefs. So I, I, I do think there's some development there to, to the point where like he could be a starting level guy next year um, if, if he continues on that kind of trajectory. So... About Aaron Rodgers, right? So the Packers are looking to move him. He's coming off a season where he looked still pretty good, but there was a clear drop-off in play from 2021 to 2022. Um, some of that can be explained by the receivers, but it's not like he took an explosive leap back to elite status when Christian Watson emerged as a really strong receiver. So um, I, I don't really know uh, if Rodgers has that level of all-time great type play that he showed in 2020 um, and, and parts of 2021. So um, we'll, we'll see what the Packers do with that. The expectation right now is that he goes to the Jets and they're working out compensation. Um, but I, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if the compensation was like clearly not first two first-round picks and maybe even more more like a, like a second-round pick, possibly, um, at the low end. Most likely outcome, I think, is one first. For Rodgers, but um, I don't really see them getting to two firsts. So um, we'll see what the compensation looks like, and uh, we'll also definitely talk about it from from the the Jets' point of view once we get there. Yeah, the Rodgers saga, man, has that been? That's been a whirlwind. Uh, last year, I was I was questioning whether, or I'm I should say why he even signed long term with the Packers. He, I believe, signed like a five-year deal last year after they'd lost so much talent, including mm-hmm. his number one receiver for a while in Devontae Adams. And it seemed like he was clearly unhappy in Green Bay throughout all of last year. Uh, almost wasted one of his last years as a, I guess, whatever you could, if you think this primary in Rodgers or just like last few years of him being an elite-level quarterback or capable of doing that. Now we don't even know if it is possible because of how he looked last year. Uh, and this offseason has been very, very interesting with Rodgers. You know, right after he had like a retreat where he was contemplating retirement. And then now he's come back thinking that he's definitely a Jet. And he's gotten a bunch of his boys paid by the Jets already. They've already signed guys like Lazard in preparation uh, and picked up LaFleur in preparation, or uh, not LaFleur. Uh, who did they get? Your The Broncos head coach. Oh, uh, Nate Hackett, yeah. Yeah, they got Nate Hackett too. So the Jets are going all in on this Rodgers experiment, and I don't know if it's them still figuring out the trade details or if Rodgers is still just unsure 
Uh, but this whole situation's been weird. But I think in, at this point in time, everyone's expecting a trade between the Packers and Jets to happen at any moment now. And the Jets are very, very well set up to get a guy like Rodgers right now and potentially compete, which I guess we'll talk about when the Jets come around on this list. Uh, but, yeah, right now it's just a, it's a weird situation for the Packers because of how Rodgers has been handling everything. But I think once all it's all said and done, Rodgers will be in New York and Jordan Love will be past the torch, so to say, and <laughs> become their next guy. Yeah, um, kind of excited to see Jordan Love if that does indeed play out the way that you said. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Texans. A lot of moving pieces here again. So the Texans added Case Keenum. Uh, I am a fan of that. Um, really strong third string because <laughs> Davis Mills will likely be the backup. Um, and they did let go of Kyle Allen and Jeff Driscoll, both of which I'm a fan of. So excellent moves here from the Texans. They're going to have a great one, two, three punch of whoever to take at number two, uh, Davis Mills and Casey Keenum. So really excited to see that Texans QB room. It could honestly be like a top 10 type of quarterback room. Um, spoiler, I, I do like the quarterbacks at the top of this draft. So Maybe they could be a top 10 quarterback room um, by the time next year or the year after rolls around. Um, so, yeah, things are looking up in Houston. I really like what they're doing. Yeah, I'm glad you said something like next year or the year after rolls around because top 10 quarterback room next year is kind of insane with uh, <laughs> with what they'd potentially have. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with the, with the few moves they did make to, I guess, clear out guys like Kyle Allen and add in a more talented guy, in my opinion, in Case Keenum. Uh, and I guess an objectively more talented guy. Definitely a great move. Uh, I don't know if Case Keenum's necessarily a third-string level quarterback, but I guess if he's taking it, it is what it is. Uh, it's pretty obvious that they're going to draft whoever's remaining of Stroud or Young at number two. Uh, we all remember when they made the really, really stupid mistake of winning a game and losing that number one overall pick. And now they don't have the choice of whoever they want. Uh, they still might end up with who they want because I believe they want uh, Young and the Panthers look like they're taking Stroud. So it might end up working out long-term uh, for them or not long-term, but just working out in general for them. Uh, whoever it is, is definitely going to be very, very interesting here, and I think it'll be a clear 2-3 between Mills and Keenum. Uh, solid solid pickups overall right now, but their big day is coming up in that draft, and we'll see how things unfold there. Yep. Um, very excited for the Texans this year. I think they could be a very different caliber of team than they were in a couple of the years prior. I think they could uh, be a little bit short of 500, like a 6-7 win team rather than a 4-win team. Yeah. That's, like, that's like a huge step up from the disaster that they've been the past couple of years. So yeah, things are kind of looking they've up. put out some awful teams recently. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Colts. So the Colts let go of Matt Ryan, added Gardner Minshew, um, and then they might be looking into a quarterback at number four, but it's very possible that the quarterbacks that they like all go one, two, three if the Cardinals trade down. Um, so they might end up not taking quarterback there if they don't like who's available. Um, unfortunately, they did keep Nick Foles and Sam Ellinger around. I don't really hate Ellinger as a third stringer, but Nick Foles as a backup at this point is is really like Foles completely unable to move. Still has a powerful arm for a backup, but man, the accuracy, 
the movement is just unbelievably bad. Um, just like he, he, I, I really don't want to put him on the field anymore. It's just, it's just not sustainable offense. So I really do wish they addressed um, the backup quarterback position harder. And hey, maybe if they draft a quarterback, um, their backup will be Gardner Minshew, and that will be fantastic. But um, yeah, I, I'm. It's uncertain at this point whether they do have the ability to draft one of the quarterbacks that they like. Yeah, uh, given what you said with Foles, I do think, uh, and even though I think he's the backup right now, I think long-term, or not even long-term, later this year, Ellinger will beat him out for the backup role. And even though Ellinger's not the best either, I think he's fine for backup purposes. So uh, I wouldn't pack panic too much for that situation with the Colts. Uh, I think the Gardner pickup was really, really good. I think not only with the Jaguars, but even last year with the Eagles when Hurts was out. He's proven 100% that he is a starter level or maybe even like a borderline ta- borderline starter level at the very least. Uh, if he is ends up being a backup, he's definitely a contender for one of the best backups in the league. Uh, I definitely like having a guy like him over someone like Matt Ryan who – at this point in his career, there's really, like, no hope for him, no real potential for development there. Uh, he is what he is, and he was not very good. So it's a good thing they got rid of him. I like the Minshew pickup. I really, really do hope they pick up a quarterback at number four because they definitely do need one long term. Uh, this team isn't even set up to win now necessarily. They do have talent, but... They can afford to pick up a developmental quarterback, which given how the draft's turning out, Stroud and Young are going to go number one and two, and whoever they get will be a more developmental guy if they do choose to go quarterback. Uh, but having a guy like Gardner Minshew does mean you can afford to pick up like an Anthony Richardson or Will Levis and let them sit while Gardner Minshew plays and then allow them to come in whenever you, whenever. Uh, so I do think they're sitting at a pretty good spot right now at the number four pick. I really hope they get a quarterback because they desperately need one. Yep. All right, let's move on to their division rivals and the Jaguars, who did absolutely nothing. But um, we are looking forward to um, the step up that Trevor Lawrence could take as the Jags add Calvin Ridley, um, and he just continues to develop. And his trajectory has been fantastic. Um, since the midpoint of last year, he's looked absolutely elite. Um, and before that, he was looking okay, but it wasn't quite to the level that we all wanted because he was continually firing the ball into the, the chest of the defense. So that was unfortunate. But ever since he's kind of cleaned that up, it's been it's been pretty good. Um, I would like to upgrade at either second or third stringer because um, I think C.J. Beathard is like right on the fringe of being a good and not good backup. So um, definitely don't want Nathan Rourke getting snaps in case both of Trevor Lawrence and Beathard go down. So I'm, I might look to upgrade that in the draft with maybe um, around six or seven type pick, maybe in U, a UDFA that can push Nathan Rourke. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe look into that for the Jags. Yeah. Uh, I mean, starter wise, we already know what's going on here in Jacksonville and nothing much more needs to be said. Uh, more than Nathan Rourke, I think, at third string, you have a less of a worry. I'm honestly not even that wouldn't even be that happy with Beathard as a second string. Uh, as a Niners fan, I did see a lot of CJ Beathard, and uh, 
Uh, I don't love him as a second as a second string. I'd like him more as a third string, and then maybe Boot Rourke. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Jacksonville Jaguars spent like a late round pick on a quarterback to get rid of Rourke and maybe even challenge Bethard for that second uh string spot, like you said. So, yeah, that's pretty much it with them. Yep. Let's move on to the next team and just the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs are in desperate need of a quarterback here. Um, no, but in all seriousness, Chad Henney's retirement uh, opens up a pretty big void at back of quarterback. And we've seen Patrick Mahomes have yeah. a few injuries pretty much every year. So you, you do probably want to have a solid backup there. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I would look into maybe a Chase Daniel, who we'll talk about uh, pretty soon. Uh, Chase Daniel was the guy I was suggesting for the Bengals, by the way. Um, I think he would be a good yeah. fit for both the Bengals and the Chiefs. Um, on a contender as like kind of a veteran mentor to both of those elite young quarterbacks. Um, I think that's a good role for him. And we've seen him be successful with Justin Herbert like that. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to see Chase Daniel maybe with the Chiefs. Um, and if they're maybe feeling bold, they could draft a quarterback to be in that backup role. Kind of like the Patriots did with Bailey Zappi last year. Like th- that, that kind of thing would be a, a good fit for them, I think, as well. Yeah, I I like that Chase Daniel shout-out because looking at that QB room right now, behind Mahomes, obviously Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time. Nothing right. more needs to be said there. But mm-hmm. behind him, they currently have Shane Buchel and Chris Oladokun. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, they definitely, definitely need something there. Uh, Mahomes obviously hasn't been the healthiest quarterback in the world, just even the way he plays. Uh, leads to a lot of injuries and we've seen it happen literally in the playoffs and seeing a guy like Chad Henney go out and win them a playoff game like against the Browns a couple years ago Uh, I believe it was the year they won the Super Bowl so that's the very important role there Uh, I do think that Chase Daniel would be a great fit here uh, among other places because he's already kind of shown that he can play that role Uh, if not they definitely have to draft somebody uh, whether it's mid-draft, late-draft. Uh, the Chiefs don't really have a whole lot of holes that they need to immediately address, and this is definitely one of the most gaping holes that they probably should address soon. So draft is probably probably where they'll go if it's not Chase Daniel. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next team. Uh, the Raiders have a lot of things here. So they let go of Derek Carr and Jarrett Stidham. And instead of those two, they've added Jimmy Garoppolo. So um, I think this could end up being an upgrade, quite honestly. Um, Jimmy G has been shown to, when he's on the field, be a very reliable guy. Just consistently um, throwing catchable balls to his receiver, quick release, um, good timing. Um, and they have a lot of guys um, in that offense, like Hunter Renfro, now Jacoby Myers, uh, Devontae Adams, all of those guys are excellent short route runners. And I think that's the type of thing that Jimmy Garoppolo provides. He can make up for a lack of deep threats on your roster with precision and accuracy uh, on the short routes. And that, that can lead to pretty strong offense, especially if you have guys who are capable in the middle of the field, like we saw uh, in San Francisco. So um, I'm a fan of adding Jimmy Garoppolo to the weapons that they have right now. I think that could end up being pretty solid. Um, and as for letting go of Derek Carr, um, and Jarrett Stidham. I'm, I'm kind of sad to see that they let go of Jarrett Stidham. There were some flashes there that they could have developed in case Jimmy G, you know, went down as he tends to do. Does but, a lot. 
Yeah. Um, and Derek Carr, you know, it was time to move on for sure with Derek Carr. We, we knew that was coming as soon as they benched him um, towards the end of the season. So not, not a surprise there really at all. But yeah, um, I, I I don't think what the Raiders did this offseason was poor at all. I think they, they made out pretty well for losing the guy um, that they had for so many years with Derek Carr. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really agree with the, that sentiment there. I guess if you're looking at it, like on a smaller scale from the perspective of, oh, lose Derek Carr, gain Jimmy G, I guess that could be seen as a positive because Jimmy G has had, has shown, uh, has shown flashes and the saga with Derek Carr was clearly over, uh, and Jimmy G is a similar a play style type of guy who could come in and have the Raiders not really skip a beat. And the situation was Carr was with was obviously broken. He definitely needed a change of scenery, and they were able to get someone who isn't that much worse. It's probably about the same level type of player. Uh, but I'm looking at this at a larger scale, and I I don't really understand what the Raiders are doing here. And here's why. Uh, with Derek Carr, I think for a couple of years now, we've seen that that team, this Raiders team, is not capable of being highly competitive, competing for a Super Bowl. So I see this Jimmy G rule, uh, uh, this Jimmy G move as a very lateral move. With this Jimmy G on the team now, they're still a very, very similar team to the team they were last year, which at no point in the season did we see could compete for a Super Bowl. And that was their goal going into the year. A lot of people were saying that the Raiders could be a team that even came out of that division on top in a t- in a division which has teams like the Chiefs and Chargers. A lot of people were really high on that team. And they clearly showed last year that that wasn't the type of team they are. They're more of a mid-level team. And getting a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo just makes you the same, if not worse, maybe at best slightly better and I don't think that's a very smart move. I would have rather just blown this up because right now Josh Jacobs is unhappy. I believe he's a free agent. He might not even come back to the team. Uh, they had to get rid of Darren Waller. Now you're giving less weapons to a guy like Jimmy G who could have really used a guy like Darren Waller. The way Darren Waller plays is very similar to, uh, I'd say, a guy like George Kittle uh, running routes. And I think that connection could have been very beneficial for them. Uh, and aside from Devontae Adams, they don't really have a whole lot of receiver talent. Granted, Devontae Adams being there automatically makes you uh, a very, very competent receiver room. Uh, but I don't know if Devontae Adams necessarily aligns with Jimmy G's uh, skill set. The way that they used him in Green Bay and even last year, he was more of an outside deep threat Uh a lot of bigger passes and that's not the type of player Jimmy G necessarily is. I don't know if they'll even be able to utilize the elite route running of Devontae Adams. So to me, this just keeps the Raiders where they are and consistently for like the last decade or so, they've hovered between trash to mid and this is just delivering another year of mid and I I absolutely don't know why they would ever want to do that. Yeah, from from like a organizational mindset standpoint, I totally agree with you. But I'm just looking for, yeah. for more like how strong is the QB room, right? So that, that's yeah, kind of I guess I guess like microscopically like that, I understand what you're saying. But with all of these teams, we've given a little bit of like 
big picture. And for the Raiders, yeah, I just don't know what direction they're headed. Yeah, um, I, I'll come back to it, but I, I don't think that Devontae Adams' uh, average depth of target was all the way down the field. And regardless, I think he's such a special player that he will make anything work. Yeah, he could so, make it work. Yeah, um, I, and I don't really think it's like um, – I wanted to say Tyreek Hill, but that's not really a good comparison. It's not really like um, like a Marquez Valdez-Scantling where you have to throw him deep passes, yeah. otherwise it's not going to be fun. So, yeah, uh, I, I think he oh, can yeah, make absolutely. it work. All right, let's go to the Chargers who let go of Chase Daniel, and now they are in pretty dire need of a backup, I would say. Um, and, yeah, I suggested Chase Daniel as an option for both the Bengals and the Chiefs. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if they can find someone who's just like Chase Daniel – um, their quarterback room would be complete once again. I had no problems with their quarterback room last year. Um, but now Easton Stick has a backup. I mean, uh, we'll see how much confidence they really do have in Easton Stick with how they address this in the draft. But um, there are reports saying that they might want to stay with him as a backup, and I think that m- might actually be a mistake. So um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I I also like the Chase Daniel fit, like I said, with the Chiefs or Bengals. I think this is a similar QB room where – you're certain who your number one is, and Chase Daniels a solid number two. Uh, Easton Stick hasn't really shown that yet, and I don't know if he will be able to do that, especially in the time frame that they're asking him to, which is the start of the season. Uh, but the fact that they've picked nobody up yet does go to show me that they'll probably get another quarterback. All teams want three going into the year, and the Chargers have nobody else there. So that leads me to believe that they will address it. And I think once they address it, this QB room will be fine. Yeah, um, that should be the case for the Chargers. All right, let's move on past the Chargers to the Rams. A lot of moving pieces here. So they still have Matthew Stafford, but they let go of literally everyone else in their QB room. So that's John Walford, Bryce Perkins, and Baker Mayfield. And um, kind of tough to see Baker Mayfield go, honestly. I think Mayfield's youth and kind of – opportunity to maybe resurrect what he had uh, learning behind a quality veteran or at least he was quality veteran um, we'll see how he plays this year after a down year uh, in Matthew Stafford um, I think there was opportunity there to maybe develop at this at least a backup uh, like a solid backup quality player um, and maybe even the eventual Matthew Stafford replacement so um, sad to see him walk for for the Rams perspective um, but I do think Bryce Perkins showed that he's not really a strong player and Walford has been uh, a third string type player for me um, for a while. So not really the greatest there either, but um, yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts on the Rams. Yeah, I agree with Wolford and Perkins. I think they were just brought in because of the situation the Rams had last year where they were a little bit screwed once uh, Stafford went down. So that was kind of expected. Uh, I'm also confused by the Baker move because uh, he was obviously kind of just, flailing around at that point in his career and he came to the Rams and uh in relief of Matthew Stafford he was solid and maybe at this point in his career he's not going to end up getting a starting role I don't think he will given I mean all these teams we're talking about so if the Rams had kept him around I think that would have been great for them he's he would be one of the better backups in the league and given Stafford's uh elbow issues and just him being high up there in age they probably do want a competent backup. And right now they haven't picked up any of the top backups in the market either. Uh, Maybe they're waiting a draft. Maybe they want somebody that could become the Stafford replacement in the draft. 
and that's why they're holding off. And if they do end up doing uh, that, uh, this could end up making sense. But right now, I'm not really sure why the Rams have not addressed this at all. And even looking at Stafford, I don't know how much I like him as a starter last year based off what I saw what I saw from him last season. So the Rams are in a bit of a mess right now, not only in the QB room, but throughout the team. So they've got a lot to address. Um, yeah, I, I also wanted to clarify on that Devontae Adams point. So his average depth of target was higher than guys like Ayuk and Kittle and Debo. Um, yeah. So th- that is like a different, a little bit of a different offense. But again, like I said, like, yeah, if but you, that'll adjust next season. Like when Adams is playing with Jimmy, we, we'll probably yeah. see him have a similar depth of target to a guy like uh, Debo or Ayuk. Because with Carr, obviously, you do want uh, Devontae to maximize what he's best at, which is what we saw last season, at least, going deep. But Adams is one of the best route runners in the league. We've seen him with Rodgers in, like, those red zone situations, like, have those one-break, in-breaking routes where he gets a ton of separation. And that's quite literally what the Niners ran for seasons with Jimmy G at quarterback. So... It was more of a slight concern that you're not maximizing Devontae Adams or just that receiving group in general. Uh, but uh, it's Devontae Adams. They'll adjust. Yeah. Um, he's shifting from more like an more of an intermediate type role to a short, short, quick game type role. But yeah, I think he'll he'll figure it out. All right. Let's move on to the Dolphins who let go of Teddy Bridgewater and sign Mike White. So this is kind of a lateral move or slightly downgrade, I would think. Um, Teddy Bridgewater has been for years one of the best backups in the league. Um, and Mike White looks like he's going on that trajectory, but there are some some flaws with Mike White's game, particularly how he's not really a playmaker at all. Um, starts to really fold when he's under heavy pressure or his receivers can't really separate. So um, I do think he's a good, really a really good scheme fit with Miami, though, because what, the way that they play is like they want the quarterback to make minimal reads. They have elite weapons. Um and they want the guy to throw with accuracy and good timing, which um, Tua does, but Mike White can do to some level as well. So um, I'm a fan of adding that player, but um, it is a little bit of a downgrade with for Teddy Bridgewater, um, who I do view very highly as a very strong quarterback um, and someone who could even be a bridge quarterback, not even like a, a backup, really. Yeah, I agree with the Teddy Bridgewater take. I do think he's quite a bit better than Mike White. Uh, But Mike White did show flashes, and obviously he was quite the fan favorite last year. So I don't hate the Mike White signing either, but I think Teddy Bridgewater was kind of perfect in the way he played very similarly to to Tua. And we know from last year that Tua was very, very injury prone, and not to a fault of his own, of course, but... It was definitely an issue, and he did miss a lot of time, including a playoff game. Uh, so they definitely need competent backups there, and I love Teddy Bridgewater in that role. So it's a little disappointing to see him go because I don't think he'll be nearly as useful to other teams as he was on this team, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and other than those two guys and Mike White uh, – and I guess the Skylar Thompson, the rest of their QB room, I think one thing they they do need to look at moving forward is Tua's health. I mean, even though this isn't necessarily the point of this, 
he is their starter, and that is a big question mark whether this is something he can do long term, given how many head injuries he suffered last year. Uh, and I believe the previous year, he uh, the his season ended early because of an injury as well. Uh, in Bama, we saw him suffer a lot of injuries too. So there, this is definitely there is something they're gonna have to address. Yeah, they definitely do want to have a high quality backup on the roster, and maybe they do want to. I know they have Skylar Thompson, um, but maybe they do want to think about a quarterback in in the coming years if Skylar Thompson doesn't develop into yeah. like someone who can be a backup or like maybe push to a first starting job even um, as a high end outcome. So. Yeah, maybe they want to keep thinking about it for the future. But they did pick up Tua's fifth-year option, so they do have confidence in him um, for the short term at the very least. Um, all right, Absolutely. let's move on to the Vikings, who didn't do a thing. Uh, they still have Kirk Cousins and Nick Mullins, but I actually do um, have pretty strong expectations that they draft a quarterback, um, either day two or day three. But the time for Kirk Cousins in Minnesota seems to be coming to a close. They haven't offered him any extension of any sort, and – this seems to be his last year, so they probably could get a guy who kind of develops a little bit um, behind Kirk Cousins, behind Nick Mullins even maybe, um, and see reassess where they are next year. Um, that's kind of what I think the Vikings are looking to do at quarterback at this point. Yeah, I, I would pretty much agree with that take. I think Kirk is very clearly the guy right now. Uh, maybe that'll change in the near future, but he definitely hasn't shown anything from last year that would – uh, lend them to switch up there. I think Mullins is a very, very solid backup. I think he plays similarly enough to Kirk Cousins too, where it's a almost a one-to-one change if Kirk is to go down. And that third spot is currently vacant. And if they do address it in the draft with a guy who can uh, be the third stringer for now, but maybe develop into something, I think they're in a great spot. Yep. Um, totally agreed with what you said there. Um, so let's move on to the next team. Um, this is just more of like a, like a footnote type thing, but the Patriots, um, they let go of Brian Hoyer, who's been basically a QB coach, but, um, I think he had an interesting role for them. Um, never really like getting more than a couple of snaps here and there, but a guy who was like in the Udonis has, has them type role for them. Um, and they did, did let him go. So it's just Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Maybe they do want to address the quarterback position again with some sort of high upside third stringer. Um, where they took like a really safe guy last year with Bailey Zappi, who was pretty much guaranteed to be a backup in the league. Um, maybe they want to go for a high upside guy in case Mac performs poorly, even in an upgrade situation, which I don't think he will, but there's a potential for that. Um, and yeah, that, that's really all I, I see them maybe doing. Yeah, I mean, with their first two guys in Jones and Zappi, I mean, uh, even though it, was ne- it wasn't necessarily warranted, we had people talking about whether Bailey Zappi should take over as starter for the Patriots last year, uh, which me and PD expressed that we didn't agree with. But I think that goes to show that he's fine as a backup. And like PD mentioned with their third stringer, if they once again get somebody in the draft, which uh, at this point they haven't picked anyone up, so that's probably what they're going to do with their third guy. Someone in the draft with potential, kind of like the Vikings, if that's what they do. Uh, their quarterback room's looking good. Uh, and just another thing to talk about, I mean, I've always expressed that I'm not the biggest fan of Mac Jones, and last season kind of showed me why or kind of confirmed to me why. 
Uh, and maybe that's something they need to look into throughout next season or long term is replacing him if he doesn't take a step forward from what he was as a rookie. Because to me, uh, he was at a good spot after his rookie season and he took a pretty solid step back. And in year three, we kind of want you to take a step forward. And if he bounces back to where he was at year one, I still think that's not good enough given uh, what we saw in year one. Uh, We'd want a little bit more. And that's a lot to ask for Mac Jones given where he is right now. But hopefully yep. he can manage to do it. Yep. Um, we'll see what the Patriots do uh, moving forward. All right, let's move on to the next team, the Saints. Interesting one here. They let go of Andy Dalton and very, got very. De- and got Derek Carr. Um, man, the Saints just keep pushing their problems off. Um, it's 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 really it's really frustrating to watch, honestly. Um, and like, I know I'm like a very big and open fan of Drew Brees. And I and I think the Saints totally failed him for a huge stretch of of play in the mid 2010s. But like their problems are like so deep rooted, and they continue to just completely continue to kick the can down the road and just avoid the problems as much as they can. Like I don't. This is gonna sound sound a little hot takey, but I, I don't really think Derek Carr is that much of an upgrade over what Andy Dalton was bringing. Like Andy Dalton last year was producing like. Uh, lower end to mediocre type starter last year. Um, and that's kind of what I think Derek Carr is at this point, just a mediocre type starter. So, uh, and it didn't, it didn't even like, it's not even like they got a one-to-one in terms of the contract. They, it comes with a massive contract for Derek. Oh Carr, yeah. So, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty rough. Uh, that's what the Saints are doing. So yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan uh, of this move. Just, yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with the hot take with the Andy Dalton situation because I I do agree with uh where I think where you think Carr is at at this point in his career, uh but I don't think Andy is quite at that level. Uh, however, with that aside, that's not necessarily important with this team. Uh, I agree that they keep kind of kicking the can down and just moving their problems aside because right now, in terms of cap space, they're kind of fucked. Uh, they don't have nearly enough talent to compete or in many cases even be like a 500 team. Uh, they're in one of the worst divisions in the league and it's still unsure whether they'll be able to win the division. And they're with three teams who are presumably uh, tanking slash rebuilding next season. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of goes to show where they're at. Uh, the stair cars pickup may make them make the playoffs. And if I guess that's the goal, that's cool. Like if you just want to win the NFC South and be a first round exit, like what you're doing is cool. But like what, like what I said with the Raiders, big picture here, like the stair car situation is only just giving you aspirations to maybe be mid. And if that's what the Saints want, and that's what the Saints have been for years now, even for a lot of, uh, Drew Brees' career, which is sad to say that they were in that situation having a guy like Drew Brees. Uh, but this front office has been so incompetent that this is the situation they're at. And Derek Carr just furthers that because this could have been a year where they just keep starting a guy like Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. He's a bridge guy. Maybe they go for a guy like Caleb Williams next year. And then maybe you're in a, in a much better spot. But right now with Derek Carr at quarterback, you're just repeating the mistakes you've been doing for 
like years now and it's stupid i don't understand it uh and yeah i i, I wish they went another direction good good organizations like the eagles they they're very willing to take their medicine and just move on but you know the saints yeah. just they, they just don't want to do it um all right let's move on to uh the giants the giants extended daniel jones and kept tyrod taylor around um we, we're obviously not going to be big fans of the Daniel Jones extension. We think it's a, a lot of money, but I don't really think that um, letting go of him was the best move either. I would have opted for a franchise tag, but they opted for an extension. So, um, yeah, no moves other than that. Kept the same quarterback room, but, yeah, now it's coming at a different type of cost with Daniel Jones. Yeah, uh, this Daniel Jones thing is starting to become very similar to the whole Jared Goff deal I was talking about in Detroit, where this Giants fan base, and it is a very, very, very big and uh, energetic and passionate fan base, uh, they're starting to really buy into this Daniel Jones hype because of one season where they were a wild card team. Uh, but I think from what we've so- seen throughout Daniel Jones' career, throughout his rookie deal, it's very, very obvious that Daniel Jones is not going to be able to win a Super Bowl with uh, with you unless you have like an insane team, and even then it's going to be tough. And the Giants are nowhere near that right now. And giving Daniel Jones uh, the price tag of like upwards of $40 million or whatever it was, is absolutely insane. It's ridiculous. Uh, I don't understand why they've done it. They've screwed themselves over completely. Uh, And that's why they've made no QB moves because they can't really do anything else here. Daniel Jones is their guy. They'll probably draft someone to be that third guy. Uh, I think Tyrod's a solid backup, but uh, this Daniel Jones signing is just the Giants kind of drinking their own juice, uh, buying into their own hype, but they're still a team with... Saquon Barkley as the only source of offensive firepower at all. And they did trade for Darren Waller. They got a little bit more talent that way, but that wide receiver room is atrocious and it didn't get any better at all. Uh, And they decided to keep Daniel Jones long-term, which is also a mistake. So just disappointed in the uh, Giants organization as a whole. Yeah, we'll see how their prospects look moving forward, but it's not looking particularly hot. All right, let's move on to the Jets, who let go of Mike White, and they are in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes pretty deeply and might be getting a deal done in the coming weeks, I think. Um, So let's kind of talk about the Aaron Rodgers thing from their perspective. Um, They would be giving up some sort of day one or two pick or picks, I believe, and they would be adding that to... A core with Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Alan Lazard, Mikul Hardman, uh, Denzel Mims. They just traded Elijah Moore, so he's not going to be there anymore. Uh, Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzama. Um, and the offensive line has a couple of holes, but it can be solid, I think, as long as they're not some catastrophic injuries. So um, the Jets offense has some potential, but, you know, it doesn't take much for Aaron Rodgers to have some miscommunications with his receivers and to start blaming them. And then the Jets offense just looks kind of average. Um, and you get some regression from the Jets defense and it's just like, wow, the Jets are nine and eight. So that is a possibility if, if they trade for Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, th- there's definitely a really high upside. Um, if Rodgers can kind of recapture the athleticism that he had a few years ago um, and just like 
really power the Jets to a top offense. That That's also a high-end outcome. Yeah, looking at this Jets room, I mean, one thing that you did already, which we have to take into account, is you kind of assume that Aaron Rodgers is going there right now. And I know it's basically a done deal, but with Aaron Rodgers, uh, you never know even if he's even going there. So that's the first thing that's on my list of concerns for the Jets is do they have a backup plan in case Aaron Rodgers just bails, uh, which hopefully doesn't happen, not only for like the sake of Rodgers before the league. I think if he goes there, it's a great fit and that team can be competitive. Uh, so hopefully he does end up there. And as far as the rest of their QB room, I don't know how Zach Wilson as a backup is going to look. I definitely think he is a backup level talent. Uh, I'm not arguing that he's a starter here, but the way he's acted, the way he's been, I don't know if he's going to like like being a backup and that just might cause problems. So we've already seen him when like post-game interviews and stuff. He clearly isn't the most like open to this sort of thing. Uh, and he's one to shift the blame away from himself very quickly. So having him as a backup may not be the best thing for the team. So that whole dynamic's going to be weird because you're also bringing a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who's also a little bit mentally unstable. He's not going to be the guy to lead Zach Wilson, keep him level-headed. So as far as personalities, there might be some issues there. But if all can go well as far as that, I think having uh, talent-wise a Rodgers-Wilson uh QB room could be interesting. Yep, agreed there. All right, let's move on. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, they let go of Gardner Minshew, and they added Marcus Mariota. Um, and Ian Book has kind of been there a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I'm actually a fan of adding Marcus Mariota as the backup. I think he's got some of the skills that Jalen Hurts has with the physical toughness as a runner um, and the ability to execute offense off an RPO or play-action type thing. And Hertz has shown that he got injured last year, right? So um, there is some risk there um, with his health. Um, and so addressing a backup that fits well and is a good player is probably a good idea for the Eagles. Um, and I, I kind of like adding Marcus Mario to that room. What about you? Uh, to me, I, 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 I gave a lot of praise to Minshew earlier. Uh, so from that re- point of, uh, from that perspective, losing a guy like Minshew and replacing him with Mariota, inherently that is a downgrade. I do think Minshew is a much better player. He's a starter level player and will probably start the season to start. So maybe this is just a situation like Brissett to where they kind of had to let him go because they couldn't really keep him long term, uh, knowing he's got the talent to do something more. Uh, and if that's the case, I guess the Mariota signing is fine because, like like you said, Mariota and Hertz do have a lot of similar skill sets. Uh, Mariota was honestly supposed to be what Hertz is uh, back when he was a prospect coming into the league. Uh, he had a lot, a lot more hype around him than a guy like Hertz, and I guess in that regard they are similar. Uh, and Anybody really can succeed in that Eagles offense. That offense is incredible in every way. Uh, even though they've maybe downgraded a little bit at running back this year, uh, that's offensive. That offense is still incredible. So Mariota is still going to be able yep. to be fine, and he is a backup level player. So 
I'm glad he's back in a role where he can succeed because that Falcons role was not for him. Yep, uh, agreed there. All right, let's move on to the next team with the Steelers. They didn't do anything, um, and I don't think they can really do anything. They have their rookie quarterback. They have their guy with experience behind him in Trubisky, and they just kind of have to let it play out. Um, I'm not really a fan of Kenny Pickett long-term as like a superstar, but he's a rookie quarterback contract. Uh, he, he's on a rookie contract for a quarterback that's like pretty favorable. Um, and I think you can build a pretty strong team around him uh, because I think he can be a pretty average to above average type quarterback. Um, so yeah, there, there's something there with Pickett, but again, like the Steelers roster is in such awful condition that they probably won't be able to take advantage of it. Um, so yeah, next year, this situation could probably look a little bit different in my opinion. Yeah. QB room wise, I, I agree with mostly what you said there. They didn't really have much option to do anything and uh i guess they didn't really need to because at this point kenny pickett's their guy uh nothing's gonna change there i think trubisky is definitely a great backup uh and their third guy is probably going to be someone in the draft like we've talked about with a lot of these teams so yeah yeah all right let's move on to the next quarterback room yep all right. Uh, the 49ers. So they let go of Jimmy G and Josh Johnson and added Sam Darnold. And now they have uh, a three-way QB battle, I guess you could say, between Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, and Brock Purdy. And I have no idea how that's going to check out. So um, I'm excited to just kind of see see that in training camp. Like, I think Brock Purdy is the best fit for the offense. Trey Lance is the highest pedigree type quarterback with the best athletic tools. And... Sam Darnold is the guy with the most experience. That that seems so weird to say, but Sam Darnold <laughs> is the guy with the most experience there, um, even though he's a very young player. Um, so yeah, we'll see how how they kind of how they kind of look at it. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I think you're pushing it with the three way quarterback uh, <laughs> three way quarterback competition. Uh, I think Darnold was pretty clearly bought in to just be that third guy who's a veteran presence for these. <laughs> Funny to say again, veteran presence with Sam Darnold, but he really will be a veteran preference, a presence to guys like Purdy and Lance, who honestly, I think in uh, the cases of both of them, they have the talent or ability in their own ways, uh, but they could use a little bit of guidance to get them to where they need to be. And that's what Darnold will provide. Uh, so I, I do like that pickup. He's got a ton of experience uh, as a starter and even as a backup. He's done everything uh, <laughs> in a QB room. So I think he'll be uh, good for us in the role he is. Uh, and letting go of Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, this was a long time coming. It was expected. Everyone knew it was going to happen. Uh, I wish him well long term. He served us as in the Niners well. And yeah. No, nothing but the best for him but as far as the Niners QB rooms like you said it's currently a mess I think it will end up being Trey Lance becoming the starter by default purely because like I said Sam Darnold's not really uh got a leg in the race in my opinion and Brock Purdy is probably going to miss the entire offseason if not more time with his UCL injury uh now that he's got surgery on it so 
it's a the Sam Darnold's a good pickup in that regard because he can even bump up to being a backup while Purdy is still recovering early in the year, and then he can still slide down to a third stringer uh, once both Purdy and Lance are back. <coughs> and as we go around in the offseason, we're obviously going to keep an eye with what's going on in this QB room because it's one of the most interesting ones in the whole league. Uh between who Purdy, between who uh, is going to play between Lance and Purdy. Obviously, both of them have their own reasons as to why. Uh, and as a Niners fan, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yep, totally agreed there. All right, let's move on to the Seahawks. The Seahawks kept their quarterback room intact by re-signing Geno Smith and Drew Locke. So um, that's why that's what I would have done as well. Um, Locke like, has some pedigree um, as, as a draft prospect and Gino played fantastic last year, all things considered, um, especially relative to expectations. Um, but, you know, keeping him around is, um, it does come at an elevated cost. So we do have to kind of watch his play a little bit more closely. Um, the, the margin of error is a lot slimmer with Gino on that massive contract. So we'll see how it looks going forward for them. Yeah, yeah. you, you did say that uh, re-signing both of them is what you would have done. And, to me personally, I don't know if that was that's like a hundred percent done deal for me because of that rust trade, uh, the Seahawks and how bad the Broncos performed. The Seahawks did have the number five pick, and that presented a lot of opportunities. Uh, they were very, very much in position to even trade up and maybe get someone that could be their franchise guy for like the next decade and a half. So I don't know if I loved the decision to stick with Geno Smith as great as he was. Uh, he's doing this at a age like 32, I believe he is. And I think from ability wise, he's only going to go downhill from here. If, uh, if he ages like he should, he has played a lot less than most other quarterbacks at his age. So maybe the lack of beating that he's taken will mean his prime can last a little bit longer. Uh, but Either way, Geno Smith isn't going to be a long-term solution purely because of that. And I think he showed last year with his drop-off that he's also not going to be someone that you can win a Super Bowl with unless they improve this roster massively. So I would have at least explored the option of picking someone at five a little bit more. And maybe maybe they still will. They might still pick up like an Anthony Richardson because he's someone that needs to sit for a while. Uh, but they signed Gino long term, so probably not going to be the case of them drafting somebody. So I don't know. I don't necessarily know if I agree with the direction they're heading in, but if they are going in the direction of uh, keeping Gino, I think what they did is right. They they re-signed who they needed to. They got a solid backup. They'll probably pick up a third string in the draft. Solid stuff. But I would have gone a different direction personally. Yeah, I I totally get that. Like. Having a quarterback on a big contract that's not a future Hall of Famer is yeah, um, it's tough. And maybe Geno Smith. Fan, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, maybe Geno Smith's a future Hall of Famer. I don't know, but you know, uh, yeah, it's unlikely. Um, all right, let's move on to the next next team. Uh, one of the last few here um, with the Bucks. Um, the Bucks look they like they're going retired. into the gutter this season. They're, they look like they're going to yeah. for Caleb Williams this year. Um, Tom Brady retires, they let go of Blaine Gabbert, and they add Baker Mayfield. So either they're trading up for a quarterback, um, drafting a quarterback that I'm not too high on in the first round, or they are uh, going into the gutter, which 
I think is pretty reasonable at this point. Um, they've had their run. They've won a Super Bowl. The roster now has a lot of aging players that they could look to be trading this offseason. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, th- this roster re- needs a lot of different uh, pieces to, to get back to the way that they were. So, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm not hugely opposed to just getting someone like a Baker Mayfield who has maybe still some upside as a former number one pick and, and a really strong prospect. So, um, yeah, not really, not really hating that, that type of move. Yeah, in, in my opinion, yeah, I really like the way the Bucks have gone because we've talked a couple of times with a couple of other organizations here uh, in which they don't really know what they're doing. And uh, before the Brady saga, the Bucks were kind of stuck in that in-the-middle situation where they were just consistently mid, consistently 8-8, eight and eight, uh, didn't really have a direction with the franchise. And now you're starting to see the front office actually make decisions and go in one direction and or the other. And it's given up given them a lot of success in recent years. I mean, they won a Super Bowl. They saw that they had a team that could win it all with a guy like Brady's play. They went after him and got him and then went out and won a Super Bowl. And now that Brady's retired, which we all knew was gonna happen after a few years, given his age, uh, I think what they've decided, and I hope they continue to do this, is just tank and go out and get their next guy who's going to help them and compete at the biggest stage. And it could be a guy like Caleb Williams, but next year's draft class is a little bit stacked in terms of quarterbacks. So it could be someone else too. Uh, but all we know is that the Bucks are positioning themselves to be able to get a guy like that. And they just had a guy like Tom Brady, who was also elite for most of his time while he was there. So I like the direction the Bucks are headed in. They're, they're making their franchise boom or bust. And we've seen in recent years, that's what is working. You, you have to go all in, and then you have to consistently get a quarterback who you believe in can be that guy, especially if you want to pay them. So I like what the Bucks have done with these moves. I like what, they've, what they're doing big, big picture too. Yeah, totally agreed there. Um... I'm just gonna like be very open and honest. Like Caleb Williams is like a tier above everyone else right now for me in in that next draft class. Um, yeah, it probably is. Yeah, it's just like way too much uh, IQ, way too much feel, way too much raw athleticism, and and really strong polish as well um, for a player of his age. So uh, he's he's like in a different yeah, tier, especially but especially with having another year of college to go and still refine his game. Uh, we're looking at someone who could be really, really good in this upcoming year's draft, and uh, the Bucks are positioning themselves well for that, which is good for them. Yeah, um, especially if they look to move on from these veterans, that that's probably the direction that they're going in. All right, speaking of tanking teams, let's look at the Titans. So um, they, their their roster is is really falling to pieces, but um, all they did this this offseason was let go of Josh Jobs. Um, they still have Malik Willis on the roster with Ryan Tannehill. Um, let's see how Malik Willis develops if Ryan Tannehill has another serious injury like he did last year. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really got to be the plan for for the Titans. They might even, um, if if things go a different direction, they might even look to trade ta- Ryan Tannehill in the in the coming uh, years. So yeah, I mean, I don't really have much hope for the Titans. They're they're probably going to be a pretty poor team. They just have holes all over the offense. Um, and the defense can only hold up for, for so much. So, yeah, 
That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, on this QB room, me and PDF talked about it quite a bit. And I think I've even mentioned it on the pod quite a bit. I've been on the train of getting rid of Tanner Fraud. Uh, Mm. I, I don't think that this Titans team, especially given the roster construction they have, can win with Tannehill at the helm. Uh, I've wanted them to get rid of him, and this was offseason once again where they haven't gotten rid of him. So to me, that can only be a failure, even though they've done nothing. To me, that is a negative. Uh, and with Malik Willis, uh, we saw he was clearly back up, a backup last year. Uh, and that's not even going to show that he had backup-level talent because, honestly, at this point, I don't know if he's backup-level he might be a third string level quarterback talent at the moment or not talent wise, but play wise, because he is a very talented quarterback, uh, very gifted, but I don't know if the things are getting put together as fast as they need to be. Uh, so I think, I think that QB room's a bit of a mess. Don't love the direction they're going in. All right. Last one here with the commanders. Um, they let go of Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. Thank God. And they added Jacoby Brissett. So that, that is like, that is a massive upgrade, um, at the backup spots. They went from pretty awful, um, with, with Taylor Heineke as the backup. Um, or he was, he was kind of the starter. So that makes it even worse. So, um, getting rid of him, uh, and Wentz was just not a good fit. Just continually, continually showing that he's just a bridge quarterback at this point. Um, and getting Jacoby Brissett, who has shown to be a strong backup, maybe even a low-end starter, to compete with their their young quarterback in Sam Howell. Um, so I like how they handled that. Um, they could see if Sam Howell looks like he can be um, a starting-level quarterback, because if you do have that, he his contract is so cheap. Um, and you can kind of try to do what the Eagles did in 2021, which is like transition into um, kind of like a contending phase and see if you can prop up your quarterback um, and make him kind of develop into even even more of a better player. Um, so yeah, I, I like what the commanders have. Um, I think Sam Howell could be a low end starter next year um, as a higher end outcome. Um, but even if he's not, Jacoby Brissett is a perfectly capable bridge quarterback, and they could just draft a quarterback next year. So I like what they've done. Yeah, uh, whenever you get rid of Carson Wentz as a team. Uh, it's always going to be a massive, massive W. So props to mm-hmm. him uh, yeah. coming from two of two of his biggest. I don't know if PD is going to claim it, but I'll say it. Two of Carson Wentz's biggest haters right here. As mm-hmm. as as members of that club, I'm glad. I'm glad to see that happen. Uh, as and I share the same sentiment with Heineke. The fact that he was a starter last year was kind of kind of a travesty for this team. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't get booted off from that role sooner for Sam Howell, but uh, again, good good they got rid of him and they followed that by picking up someone who could even be a starter for not any not only any team but this team too. Like I know they do want to see what they have with Sam Howell, uh, but the Washington's also a team who's very very con- uh, confused in which direction they want to head. Uh, they have a lot of young talent, a lot of young pieces, but they've also won a lot of games last season and were competing for a playoff spot. So I don't know which direction they're trying to go in, but if they want to go towards that winning direction, uh, Jacoby Brissett's definitely their answer. Last year, he was very clearly the best quarterback in that QB room. Uh, and maybe it is going to be a QB competition going into that year, but 
I think uh, going into this season, but picking up Brissett was a huge W for that reason. Uh, and yeah, I think their QB room is set. Uh, I like what I saw at a hot howl in a little bit we saw, and I liked a lot of what I saw at a Brissett. Uh, I still don't think this room is enough for them to be successful. I mean, very clearly, but this could be like a, a bridge QB room to whoever their next guy is if it doesn't end up being Howell, which is most likely the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's unfortunate that we have to say that, but it, it's probably not yeah. going to be Howell. Um, it's yeah. probably not. He's probably not that guy. Yeah. All right. Um, also, um, you said you want to claim as a Carson Wentz hater. That, that's kind of strong, but I do think that him as a starting quarterback, that, that bridge has been burned, and um, he's most likely a backup in the league right now. Um, I yeah, knew so he wasn't going to say it. That's why I had to say it for the both, both of us. All right. That'll wrap up this episode. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. This was a lot of fun, honestly. Um, we looked yeah, at everything was. in depth. Um, yeah, be on the lookout for our episodes starting next week on each draft court, draft prospect that's mocked to go in the first round. Um, we'll look start looking into that in, in depth and then maybe culminate in some sort of rankings or summary, some sort of wrap-up right before the draft happens. So. Yeah, looking forward to that as well. And then after that, it's the juicy stuff where we look at every quarterback room in detail. So, yeah, looking yeah. forward to it all. Once again. Yeah, my, my final thoughts are similar. If you made it to this far, uh, we don't have episodes this long that often, but this is one of those where we kind of need it. So if you made it uh, this far, one of the few people who did, thank you. Huge props to you guys. And I hope you guys come back more for – uh the content we're about to drop because we're about to start ramping up again now that well stuff's actually happening in the nfl we had to take a little break because the season's over but we're gonna get back to it so hope you guys stay tuned all right thank you guys so much for listening that's gonna be all for me that's gonna be all from potty uh peace out